In the name of Jesus, Amen. Many of you are probably aware that three years or so ago, the, the Maiton family relocated from a very nice home out in the Batesville area, uh, west of town, to a very similar, very nice home uh, closer to town, the Pantops area. Uh, reason number one for that was to uh, be closer to town, church, and, and school, and, and all of that. Uh, reason number two, um, maybe even reason number one for me, is that it allowed us to relocate from a place where I had to mow about three acres of lawn <laughs> to a place where if I had to, I could probably cut the grass with a pair of scissors. Even better, I don't even have to do that because it's part of the HOA, so that's good. Uh, prior to the, the move from Batesville, I, I tried other tactics other than resorting to a, a moving from the entire house to get out of trying to mow the lawn. One was trying to convince our, our head groundskeeper to simply let the uh, entire lawn go over to weeds, that we could have an all-weed front lawn and, and back lawn. And I tried various um, uh, philosophical arguments, um, ecological, pointed out to uh, the head groundskeeper. That's supposed to chuckle at that. She's actually not here, so I'm allowed to say that. It's my wife. Um, uh, point, pointed out that the, the, lawn, uh, the, the, the lawn is the uh, most grown crop in the United States, um, takes more resources than any other crop, and yet it can't be eaten. Um, it's not good for the, um, the earth, the chemicals, the time you put into it. Philosophical, even spiritual reasons saying, come on, the reason we have lawns is just to show each other that we can have lawns and that we have the leisure and the money to afford such an attraction. Said things like that, which I actually kind of think is true. Um, uh, but as you, imagine, you might imagine, um, my, uh, my, my songs and praise of weeds never quite caught on and I had to resort to actually moving. Okay. Keep that in, in mind, uh, in praise of weeds. Uh, what does that have to do with anything? Well, that, that little paragraph, that little story about my laziness and trying to get out of mowing lawns is to help you get ready for what I think may be going on in this little parable about the little mustard seed in our little gospel lesson for this third Sunday after Pentecost, where Jesus says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable, what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds of the earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Uh, Now now I'm imagining that that most of us, when we hear that parable, um, when I've heard it for the the first dozens of times, uh, I've really honed in on that smallness. They say that just like the, the teeny old mustard seed starts small and grows big, so is the, the reign of God, the kingdom of God. Starts small, starts little, starts with this little uh, uh, peasant preacher in the backwoods of the Roman Empire, uh, preaching something as seemingly inconsequential as the forgiveness of sins, and then it grows and grows. So like the branches provide shade and a home for birds. So the kingdom of God, the reign of Jesus, provides a home for sin-burnt creatures like you and me. Little, big. And that is good and right and salutary. But I also wonder if it's a little too simple. 
See, Jesus is, he calls this a parable. And the thing about, about Jesus' parables, they're never just simple. They're meant for us to, like we said in the, uh, in the, in the call-up for the day, the read, mark, learn, inwardly digest, pick them apart a little bit, see if there's something a little more going on. And usually, usually in Jesus' parables, if you scratch beneath the surface a little bit, you find some of that strangeness, sometimes even something a bit scandalous, at the very least funny. And I think that's what's going on here. You see the thing about mustard and the mustard plant that, in addition to coming from a small seed, it is also a weed. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the kind of mustard plant of which Jesus spoke in the parable, it is not the kind of thing that folks would go about sowing in their gardens or their fields at all. They grew in the wild. We actually have records of first century laws uh, akin to uh, Virginia's noxious weed regulations. There are such things. First century laws that made it illegal to plant, to have mustard near certain crops. A well-known first century naturalist, a guy named Pliny the Elder, wrote of the mustard plant, mustard grows entirely wild. Now it can be improved by being transplanted, but once it's been sown, it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it. Huh. It's like kudzu or something. <laughs> Once it gets in your garden, this mustard plant, it has a habit of taking over and choking out everything else. So, hmm. Do we hear the parable a little bit differently if we see mustard that way? Not just little, but this noxious, invasive weed. The kingdom of God is like this noxious, invasive weed that once it works its way into your garden has this this habit of starting to take over, choke everything out. Jesus adds to the the craziness, the weirdness of this parable um, by saying it gets really big. This is the other thing about the mustard plant. It doesn't get very big. (laughs) It's maybe three, four, five, six feet high. It can get more of a bush than a tree. It's like Jesus is is telling this humorous story where he's imagining this garden where someone has sown these tree-sized dandelions that are slowly but surely taking over the whole thing. Weird and crazy and funny. This is exactly the way this parable wants us to think about the way that the kingdom of God works. We've all got a well-maintained garden. Finely manicured lawns. Maybe you are very, very comfortable with them. Maybe you spend lots of your precious time and resources maintaining them, keeping them just the way you want. But, just like all our lawns, they're not natural. They're not the way things are supposed to be. And so I'm going to mess with them, says the Lord. With me is coming the kingdom of God, my reign, that will come like a plague of weeds. It'll start small, but soon it'll be growing well like a weed. Mustard spread all over the place, choking out everything, changing everything, growing like a weed. Only thing that remains for us is to ask exactly what that looks like. Or wonder. And I could probably go on ten or 15 sermons about that. We could, we could speak of ways in which the, uh, the seed of the kingdom of God has begun to work. Over the last 2,000 years has been working grand cultural changes in our midst. 
how the kingdom of God, Jesus coming, sowing his grace and forgiveness and love amongst the least, the lame, the lonely, and the lost has, has sprouted things, has sown things that have grown into things like orphanages and hospitals, the sort of things that didn't exist in the Roman world. Uh, the things that have sprouted into the idea that every human being has inherent value regardless of class or race or sex or ability or, or record of wrongs. The sort of stuff that didn't exist in the Roman world, but is part and parcel even of atheists' worlds today. But you know, maybe for us, instead of those grand cultural gardens being overtaken by the weed of the kingdom, maybe it's more important for us to ask to see the way that God's spreading the mustard, choking out the unnatural lawns in our own hearts. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned uh, a gentleman who I had the honor of uh, burying at Arlington National Cemetery, this war hero, Calvin Burkhart. He's 97 years old, and a wonderful man. Um, but I remember, I remember speaking to him. I remember speaking to him one of the first times I met him, maybe the very first time I, I met him. I wanted to talk about all his war hero accolades, um, but he wanted to tell me about how the weeds had gotten into his garden. Specifically, he told me how for 35 years after the war, he carried a deep hatred, an absolute revulsion for the Japanese, individuals as a people, a nation. You might imagine where he got that from, given what he'd he'd been through. But still, in this very first time, perhaps the very first time he met me, he felt it was important to tell me about a specific day. He can remember, he said it was in the middle of a Bible study some three decades before when I had met him, he was in his 60s at the time, when all that ended. He said this home Bible study, they were studying the book of Romans. Didn't say exactly which passage, maybe it was that one about where we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but are justified, made righteous, forgiven freely in Christ. He said in the middle of the Bible study, it struck him. And he had to get up, he left the room, went to the other room, where he wept openly for an hour. And then he came back and confessed his hatred, his unjustified racism. You know what that was? That was the Holy Spirit spreading the mustard. The weeds of grace getting into his garden of hate. As he openly admitted at that point, for decades he had tended it. He had held on to it. He had groomed it. He had justified it as a way to honor his fallen comrades. But finally the weeds got the best of him, got into his garden, and choked it out. You see, that's what the kingdom of God does, fellow gardeners. (laughs) That's what happens when the good news of Jesus for you and for the world gets into your garden. Gets into those, those gardens that we tend so well. Grudge gardens and lawns of resentment, they become a lot harder to keep looking lush and green when Jesus starts getting his foothold within us. Like Calvin, you may have spent years, decades, decades uh, uh, manicuring that lawn, mowing it, decades savoring some resentment, enjoying a grudge, going there day after day, clipping it, looking at it, feeling so wonderful to gaze on it, admire it. It feels so good to be angry and put yourself on this pedestal and look down on that bum who wronged you 35 years ago. But then you're just, you're starting to feel really good and smug and elevated and truly better than at least that guy who wronged you 35 years ago. 
you get a little sniff of Jesus. And as you're looking out over that beautiful lawn, you notice some weeds coming up. Some mustard weeds. Maybe maybe it was because you came to church and you heard of this unbounded forgiveness that demands absolutely nothing of you. Or maybe from some other person to whom you are a bum, you received and experienced forgiveness. Or maybe the Holy Spirit begins to get a hold of you and you get some honesty and humility, and instead of seeing yourself as better than that bum who wronged you 35 years ago, you recognize that in actuality you are his mirror image. Maybe you simply hear again and again and again the mighty works of God for you in this world, which are so big, which place you in this giant, wonderful story with the best endings of all, and these little things are given some context so that things like tending the lawn become a little less consequential, and you just let the weeds, the weed, take over. What is that? That's the mustard. That's the master choking out the lawn with his weeds of grace. How beautiful and powerful and invasive and noxious to our sinful gardens is the weed, which is none other than the kingdom of God. None other than the presence of Jesus Christ going on and on and on and growing and choking out our unnatural lawns. It is a weed which is growing right now, whether you want it to or not. Growing not just in those gardens of greed and lawns of resentment, but growing in all our gardens. Growing in gardens of guilt and shame and of grief. You come here every week. You get sprinkled with the mustard seed to get more and more of that weed to choke out the lawn. To come here to hear the good news of Jesus Christ given for you and for all your sins. To hear the word that in him all your sins are forgiven. Seed sown into a garden of guilt to say, look at that cross and know that in him all your sins are known, all they're answered, and all they're paid for. Or maybe your luscious garden is some garden of grief that you carry with you every single day. Well, here's some weed seed for that. Today you receive the body and blood of Jesus to strengthen and preserve you in body and soul unto life everlasting. As surely as you receive that body and blood of Jesus, the very medicine of immortality, even though you die, you shall live. And those over whom your heart grieves now, you shall live again with them. Present grief will become eternal joy. Why? Because the thing about weeds is that weeds grow like weeds. That in the end, the weeds always win. The mustard spreads. The mustard wins. The kingdom of God will grow and grow and grow and grow until it chokes out everything in its way. Until it chokes out death itself. And there is only weeds. Glorious weeds. Tree-sized weeds. And life and light forever. Long live the weeds. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.